Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Luke, chapter number 2. The book of Luke, chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading in the first verse, and Lord willing, we're going to read down through at least verse number 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, out of the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Much preaching can be done from these verses. And I have been hung up for a number of weeks on Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And so the question in my mind, I'll preach this title tonight, Why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? God so very meticulously planned the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. God chose a young virgin by the name of Mary. God chose Joseph to raise up Jesus. Both Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. Preacher, I don't think they did. Well, look with me again. Joseph, verse 4, also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth. So he's in Nazareth. Preacher dear, and I don't think she was. Look back at chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Mary and Joseph both lived in the city of Nazareth. Why in the world would this young couple, Mary being in probably her ninth month of bearing the child, why would they possibly go 80, maybe 90 miles? That's at least by walking a four-day journey. That would be very difficult, even with a donkey's help, if that's the way it was, to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why do such a thing? Because... God promised and prophesied in his word that his son would be born in Bethlehem. And Mary and Joseph live in Nazareth and God is going to move heaven and earth and cause them to need to go to Bethlehem. So he caused Augustus, the Roman emperor, to demand a census that everyone must return home to their city of ancestry, to their city of lineage. And Mary and Joseph, according to verse number 5, Mary and Joseph, she's great with child. They go to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Everyone was coming back to their city of ancestry. It was so full in Bethlehem, there was no room in the inn. A very small place anyway. And Jesus had to be laid in a manger and born in a manger. Of all the places for the king of kings to be born, why this obscure village, Bethlehem? 
Why not the great city of Rome? That's, that's the capital city of the world, a, a place of prominence. That, that'd be a great place for the king of kings to be born. Or what about Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world? Why, why not Jerusalem, the place of the holy temple? I can certainly understand that. But God chose Bethlehem. I believe that the incarnation of Christ, that God became a man, is one of the greatest events in all of human history. How about you? The fullness of God wrapped up in a baby. And this event took place in Bethlehem. I believe that tonight we must consider Bethlehem being favored of God. We must consider Bethlehem uh, and the goodness of God. And may I say, if God chose Bethlehem, that little obscure village, maybe we might understand some things that he chose us. Why would he choose us? A sinner, wretched, insignificant, lowly. God knows what he's doing. When I think about the city of Bethlehem or the village, it's not really even a city. It's a town. It's a village. I think number one, three things. Number one, Bethlehem was specific. Bethlehem is known as the city of David. Again, Mary and Joseph both come out of the family of David, and they have to go back there to Bethlehem. Now, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, when the baby was born there and there was no room in the inn and they laid him in a manger, that there was no dignities, no royalty that came to visit Jesus God sent angels and summoned the shepherds, the scum of the earth they were considered to be, to come and to pay their respects and their re give reverence to the Son of God being born. That's incredible. And they were there. I believe they were there in, in Bethlehem for some time. I don't think they could afford to leave. They, they were stuck there financially in Bethlehem. They went to pay their taxes once that's done, they, they didn't even go back to Nazareth. The baby was born, and they stayed in Bethlehem. I think they stayed there at least two years plus. Preacher, why would you think that? Well, Matthew's gospel. Look with Matt, the book of Matthew with me, chapter number 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, where did the wise men come? They came to the capital city, Jerusalem. They came to where they thought the king of the Jews would be born. They came to Jerusalem, according to verse number one. And they said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east, and we're come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. I don't think it was just three kings, three wise men that showed up. I mean, if three people showed up in Spruce Pine, it wouldn't trouble many people. But if there was a huge group of people that came to search out the Christ, it's going to upset a lot of people. Herod is upset. The whole city of Jerusalem is troubled. Verse 4, when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Jesus, the Messiah, where should he be born? And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. We know what happened. 
The wise men took off. When they left Herod, the star reappeared. They went to Bethlehem to the place where the young child was. It wasn't a baby anymore. There's a difference between a baby and a young child. And they worshiped him and they gave gifts to him. Amen. They didn't worship Mary. Amen. They worshiped the Christ child. And being warned, the wise men didn't go back the way they came. And now, Joseph and Mary, they're warned, Herod's going to kill the young child. You need to flee but he ain't got no money, but now he's got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. <laughs> and he has the ability, praise God, to get, God just works it out, doesn't he? To get him down to a place where he's in safety. And Herod has all the children, two years old and down, murdered. Again, the scribes and the chief priests said, hey, the Christ, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judah. They didn't even care enough to go and check it out. I got to thinking about that prophecy out of the book of Michael. Hold your place here in Matthew Let's go back to the Old Testament prophet Micah. Micah, chapter number five, I believe it is. Micah, chapter five. Let's read this prophecy that the wise men were uh, given a quote by the scribes and the, uh, the chief priests. Let's read this prophecy out, out of the book of Micah, saying Bethlehem was specific. Micah, chapter five, verse number two. I want, to, I want you to find it. It's huge. Maybe you'll underline it in your Bible. Micah 5, 2, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Bethlehem means house of bread. Ephrathah means fruitful. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting Again, Micah chapter 5, not Malachi, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. Specifically, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Did you know that there are two Bethlehems in Israel? There's one up in northern Israel, and there's another Bethlehem in Judea, which is southern Israel. Jesus was born in southern Israel. He's a southerner. Y'all say amen right there. That looks like somebody, amen. More than one Bethlehem. And Micah specifically said, look with me, at Bethlehem Ephrathah, 700 years before Christ was born, the king of kings would be born in Bethlehem. Did you know that in the United States of America, there are, I found 88 towns, cities, and villages that are registered as Washington. It's the most popular name for a city or town or a village in America. Washington, 88 times. So there's more than one Bethlehem, okay? Now, Micah prophesied 700 years before Christ. That would be like in saying the king of kings is going to be born in Bethlehem Ephrathah. America began as a nation in 1776. You do the math, it's 200 and almost 50 years, pretty close now. And can you imagine 250 years ago, someone walking up to George Washington and saying, in, uh, in about 240-some years, Joe Biden's going to be president. That's only 200-some years. Micah said it 700 years before Christ was ever born, where he would be born. Not just that he would be king, 
but where he'd be born. Lord have mercy. I still don't know where Joe, Joe Biden's born. And I don't really care either. Amen. But 700 years they predicted his specific birthplace. Now, I was looking, I, I like math, and I was looking at a book written by Peter Stoner talking about probabilities. And he's got a book called Science Speaks. He said that the probability that any man could have eight prophecies, eight prophecies fulfilled in his lifetime about him is one in 10 to the 17th. That is one in 100 quadrillion. Jesus didn't just have eight prophecies fulfilled about him. He had 456. If you took 100 quadrillion quarters and laid them on the face of Texas, it would cover it two feet deep. Mark one of those quarters and tell blind Bartimaeus before he was healed that he's got to go to Texas and pick up one specific one. It'd take him a while to figure it out. I'm just telling you, what is the chances of him getting one right? I'm telling you the same as the prophets had of predicting where Jesus would be born in their own wisdom. Bethlehem is specific and God chose it specifically because that's where he wanted his son to be born and there's a reason for it. Number two, not only is it specific, but Bethlehem is small. Look at verse two again, you're in Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little. The Hebrew word is sair. This is what it means. Insignificant. Least in privilege. Least in desirability. It is a very overlooked place. Bethlehem is insignificant. Small and lowly. Just like me. Why would God want to save me out of all the quadrillions of people that's, that's alive or has ever lived. Why would he choose just to save you or to save me? With thousands and thousands, Josephus says thousands of villages in the region. Micah says Bethlehem, look with me, the word is little. The word is Sire, it means least. Of all the villages, of all the villages, Bethlehem is the least. Now, this may not be important to you, but uh, this got brought out to me. And you're going to hold your place here, please, in Micah. And we're going to turn back to Matthew 2 that we just read to you. And I have been told there's a contradiction in your King James Bible right here. So I just want you to get this one food for thought. We just read in Micah that it's little. The word means least among the thousands of villages. But when the scribes and the uh, elders quoted, chief priests quoted this back to the wise men in Matthew 2, verse 6, Thou Bethlehem, verse 6, in the land of Judah, art not the least. Micah says it was the least. The scribes and chief priests says it's not the least. 
Oh, preacher, then it's the scribes and the chief priests. We're not listening to them. Yeah, but it's in the Word of God. So which is it? Well, it's both. What? It was least. It was the least of the least until Jesus was born there. And now it ain't least no more. <laughs> hey, something great has happened. Jesus has been born in an obscure village named Bethlehem. And now that that was of low degree has been exalted. May I say when he sees you, he sees the same thing. Poor little old pitiful you that don't amount to nothing. You feel like you're the least of the least of the black sheep of your family. But when Jesus saved you and he, you got born again and he came to live in you, no more, amen, are you least. Now you've been exalted. Listen to what Mary said there in, in the book of Luke chapter number one when she said that he has regarded my lowest state. He's exalted those who are of low degree. Yes, he has, amen. When he saved your soul, glory to God, hallelujah. I was studying, I won't make you turn, but did you know that when um, Israel left Egypt, bondage of 400 years, and Joshua and the people went across the Red Sea and defeated Jericho and went into the promised land, Joshua conquered and he named 15 cities. Bethlehem's not one of them. <laughs> In fact, he only mentions it as an obscure village in Joshua 19, 15. And then the children of Israel got off in sin and God sent them back to Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And after 70 years, when the children of Israel came back, Nehemiah, who's recording all the villages and all the places they went, it's not even recorded that it was even reestablished. That's how lowly that it is. It is no doubt the least of the least. It was, glory to God, specific. God specifically knew your name when he sent his son to die in your place. He knew your every cuss word. He knew every hair on your head. And he died to save your soul. And though you may feel small and insignificant, and your vote really doesn't count when you vote, you feel like, hey, Jesus says you mean enough to me that I'd lay down my life that you might have forgiveness. I get excited. Thirdly, Bethlehem was selected. Plain, ordinary, nothing special about it, unattractive, unwanted, but selected, set apart by God. May I just say that I thank God. I need an amen right here. God chose Bethlehem. Amen. Just as much as he chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Hey, glory to God. Let's read this again. Michael 5, 2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler. That, that means king, amen. That is to be ruler in Israel, like, like this. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Now, we're here at Christmas time. Let's don't get this confused. We, we would say that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus got here by maternity. But honey, he's not just maternity, it's eternity. 
Are y'all okay with that statement? He's always been. And he glory to God, he always will be. Now, when I think about Bethlehem, I see that it's selected because a couple of things. I believe it's selected because it is a picture of sorrow. Bethlehem very, had very small beginnings. The book of Genesis chapter 35, we meet another young couple. Uh, they're traveling. Um, we know that Jacob is married to Rachel, and Rachel is great with child, just like Mary was great with child. And as they're traveling in Genesis chapter 35 and verse number 19, or 16, they journeyed from Bethel and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel travailed and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin and Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. So here she is traveling. She goes into labor. As she's delivering the son, she names him Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And right outside of Bethlehem, and I begin to think about Jesus and how the Bible would tell me he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Bethlehem chosen because it is selected, because it is a sorrowful place. But Jacob said, as she died, maybe after she died, I respect her decision, but now I'm not going to leave him with that bad name, son of my sorrow. He thought that's a bad name for me to have to carry. Jacob knew what it's like to have a bad name. His name means deceiver, trickster, con man, a usurper. He knows what it's like to live up to those names, amen? But one day he got in a wrestling match with the Lord. And when the Lord pinned him down, amen, I'm telling you, the Lord changed his name. He gave him a name change. No longer would he be Jacob, but now he would be Israel as a prince, has power with God. And just as Jacob's name was changed, Jacob changed the name of his son Benoni to the name Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Jesus is the man of sorrows, but he's also the son of God's right hand, amen. And I think that it's important that you and I understand that Jesus lived a life of pain and misery and agony, and yet, Lord, Lord of God, he, was, he came into his own, and his own received him not. Right now at Christmas time, people are telling these big retailers, don't say Christmas. Take Christ out of Christmas. Let's call it Xmas. Let's call it holidays. Honey, don't they understand? Holidays means holy days. Hey, big dummies, amen. You'll not take Christ out of Christmas. Hear me? There would be no Christmas if it weren't for Christ. Amen. He is the son of God's right hand. So Bethlehem is a picture of sorrow. Bethlehem is a picture of salvation. I won't make you turn there, but you remember in the book of Ruth, uh, there was Naomi. Her name means pleasant. Her husband, Elimelech, my God is king. And they were living in Bethlehem, Judah, at the house of bread and praise, and a famine came. 
Sometimes a church goes through seasons, amen. And, and in Bethlehem, they were having seasons. A famine came and, and rather than staying and trusting God through the famine, he thought, I better get out of here and get ahead of everybody else and get a leg up on the competition. And he heads down to Moab and God said, my, Moab is my wash pot. And he got down there and he stayed longer than he needed to and Elimelech died. Malon and Chilion met girls down there, Orpah and Ruth, and they got married. And then both boys died. And then Naomi heard that the bread, glory to God, those fruitful fields of grain were ripe and being harvested again. And she said, God has visited people and given them bread and I'm going back home. A witnessing stranger told her that she should go back home. She said, Orpah and Ruth, you girls stay here. I'm going home. And they said, we're going with you. She said, no, please don't. You marry Moabite boys. You're Moabite girls. Don't go home with me. And Orpah kissed her and turned back. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. My, your people be my people. Your God will be my God. And I'm telling you, she went with her mother-in-law. And when she came in, the people looked out harvesting, working in the fruitful fields and said, who is this? Is this Naomi? Uh, my, my, boy, 10 years has made a change in her countenance, amen. 10 years living outside the will of God will make a difference in your life, amen. And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. But call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And when they looked, there stood with her a girl by the name of Ruth, which was evidence of her sin in her life. That's why she didn't want her to come back. And there she stands. But we know the story that Ruth, she said, I'll find grace. She went out to work. And it was just her half, amen, God leading to get her in the field of Boaz. And he was watching her there, amen, glory to God. And he went and he met her and he invited her into the house and they had mealtime together. And he reached her parts corn, which is a, man, what a blessing that is. And then he said to the reapers, when she goes back down to the field, let handfuls of purpose fall for her. And one day, Boaz married Ruth. And in that place called Bethlehem, Ruth and Boaz would have a son named Obed, amen. And Obed would have a son named Jesse. And Jesse would have a son named David. Bethlehem is a picture of salvation. May I say in 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 4, Bethlehem is also a picture of strength. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 4. The Bible says in verse number 4, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and he came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peacefully? In other words, Saul has been removed as king. God told Samuel, You go down there to Bethlehem. I've got a young man, but I'm going to make the new king. And when the man of God, look at it. When the man of God comes into the village, the whole town is quaking. On why are you here, man of God? What have we done wrong? When the man of God shows up, it, it's a little scary sometimes, amen. And he walked in, he walked up, and they said, Comest thou peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I come to sacrifice the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. We know what happened. All the boys all passed before Samuel and God didn't select one of them. And he looked at Jesse and he said, Jesse, all your boys have come by me. Big, tall, handsome, strong men that would make great, king, great kings, but God's not any one of them. Do you have another son? Now look with me. You're in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Look with me in verse 11. Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? 
And he said, there remaineth, there remaineth yet the youngest. Didn't even call him by name. <laughs> He's the baby. He's insignificant. He is not desirable. He is unwanted. He is the weakling of all my big strong boys. He's the youngest, youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. He's not a man of war. He's not a warrior. He's a lowly shepherd. He's keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. God promised to David that through David, his kingdom would be established, amen. And I did read to you, for unto you is born, in Luke 2.11, maybe I didn't read it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And Bethlehem became known as the city of David. It is also a place of satisfaction. In 2 Samuel 23, I'm almost done. In 2 Samuel 23, uh, we see uh, David, he is uh, in the middle of a battle. In 2 Samuel 23, and verse number 15, he's, he's in a battle and, and he's, he's kind of being held up in that place there. And he has many needs. And in 2 Samuel 23, verse 15, David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Man, he got to thirsting for some of that good home water. <laughs> he said, Oh, wow, if we could get to the well of Bethlehem. Nothing would satisfy my soul like a good drink from the well of Bethlehem. Verse 16 says, And three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. They risked life and limb. They got through the host and they drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. And they didn't stop and run. And what they do? They come back. And they took it and brought it to David. They said, Here... My Lord the King, we've risked our life and our limb that you might have a refreshing drink. The King, you might be satisfied. Look what David did. He, nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but he poured it out to the Lord. <laughs> he said, I'm not even worthy to take this drink. This is God's, amen. Hallelujah. Honey, have you ever been in such a place? That you, it was all hemmed up and you couldn't be, you needed to be satisfied. And man, I'm telling you, nothing would do. And the Lord come by, amen, and give you a verse or a visit of the Holy Ghost, amen, and satisfied your longing soul. He did that to me when I got saved, and I've never thirsted since, amen. And there's been times in the midnight hour, there's been times when my mind was being attacked, when the devil's after me, amen. And I'm telling you, I said, oh God, give me a token of good. And God breaks through enemy lines, amen, and brings me back a blessing, amen. I say hallelujah to God. Ain't he good to his youngins? Why Bethlehem? God selected it because it's a picture of sorrow, a picture of salvation, and a picture of strength and satisfaction. I thought about this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But after Jesus' birth, the only time Bethlehem is mentioned, again, is in John chapter 7. And it's really 
mention connecting his birth, connected to his birth. Let's read it. In John chapter 7, verse 41, and I about got treed on these verses right here. John 7, verse 41. I mean, so basically, other than Jesus' birth, Bethlehem's never mentioned again. I'm talking about the house of bread. Never mentioned again. John chapter 7, verse 41. Now, Jesus had just said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, the scripture said, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is a prophet. Verse 41. Others said, this is Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? What they're saying is, how can Christ come out of Nazareth? Everybody knows he lived in Nazareth. Think about it. When he was born, he was born in Bethlehem. He was there two years at least. And the wise men came and worshipped him. And God warned Joseph in a dream to take him out of Israel, down to Egypt. And he went down to Egypt and stayed for a season. And when he came back, they moved back to Nazareth. And the world thinks, how can Christ come from Nazareth? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? I'm just, I just want to say this. I'll move away from it. Bethlehem, the house of bread, is never mentioned again because I believe it represents you. Did you know that you are the house of bread? Jesus said, I am living bread. And when he, you got saved, he came to live inside of you. <laughs> and he took care of every need you had ever had. And now you are the one that was chosen. You are the one that was selected. You are the one that was small and so insignificant that he wanted. And he'd come to live inside of you. What a blessing. Now think about this. Because of the fruitful fields of grain, the lambs that were raised up in Bethlehem on those Judean hillsides, according, they those lambs were the lambs that were used for the temple sacrifice. They would choose those that were without spot and without blemish. They, they were often laid in the mangers around there in Bethlehem when they were born. Isn't it just fitting for the Lamb of God? That'll be the sacrifice for our sins uh, to be born in Bethlehem, laid in a lowly manger to say this is the Lamb of God which was slain before the foundation of the world to take away our sins. God chose Bethlehem specifically. Did you know that after this moment, shepherds are never mentioned again? Why, preacher Darren? Shepherds are considered nobodies. The only, listen this, the only inkling we have of shepherd again is when we hear there's one named the good shepherd. There's one named the great shepherd and there's one named the chief shepherd and he's going to appear one day, praise God. And now there's no more need of sacrifice of lambs because Jesus is the all-sufficient sacrifice. I got one more. Did you know, best I can tell, after Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, 
There's no record of babies being born in Scripture anymore. We know they were. But that was a, if genealogies that just stopped at Jesus. It just stopped <laughs> at the Son of God. In fact, <laughs> whoo, whoo. For to God, after I got saved, that's all I needed to. When I got Jesus, amen, I got born again, that's all I needed to. I'll close right here. There's a little boy, his name was Wallace Curley. And, and, and Wallace and his school were putting on a Christmas presentation. And Wallace was a little slow and, and, and challenged and, and, and kind of insignificant. And, and Well, he was just behind the others as far as ability. And so everybody had a speaking part. They worked it out. And so the teacher gave Wallace just one line. All he had to do was just say the words, there is no room here, go away. He was the innkeeper. And in the play, he had practiced and practiced. There's no room here, go away. There came a knock at the door in the play. It was Mary and Joseph. And he opened that door and there they stood. And he said, there is no room here, go away. And Mary and Joseph bowed their head and began to walk away. And this is what happened. Little Wallace said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can have my room. And everybody said, Wallace, you messed up the whole play. But I don't think he did. Because I think that on July 13, 1978, at the Balfour Baptist Church, he was looking for a place to reside. He was looking for somebody that let him in. Woo, when he first convicted me, I said, there's no room here. Go away. But man, he kept working and he kept knocking and he kept drawing. And finally, he came one more time and said, what's it going to be? And I said, wait a minute. You have my room. Woo, and he moved in, amen. And he's been there ever since, hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, amen. Why Bethlehem? Because it was just what God was looking for. Why you? Why me? Because you and me, we are just what? What God was a looking for. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be something he can use. I want to be a vessel meet for the master's use. Amen. You stand to your feet tonight. That's the message God laid on my heart tonight. Amen. Father, I thank you for your precious word. Lord, I thank you for Bethlehem. I thank you for your, your plan. I thank you, God, uh, for Jesus. I thank you that he was born to die. Lord, some people would say it's not important where he was born. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is because you prophesied 710 years before he was born that he would be born in Bethlehem and how you'd been lining it up all those years Lining it up. And God, it just proves to me, prophecy being fulfilled just proves to me the word of God is more true and more accurate than today's newspaper. Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you, God, for your choice of little old me and these that are gathered here on this hillside tonight. God, who are we? While we're unattractive, we're undesirable, we're unwanted by any of the things of this world, but God, you came from out of this world and you saw in a way the world doesn't see. <laughs> you saw me in my sins.
And you didn't just bring me healing of, 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 of eyesight and uh, hearing uh, and, and, and leprosy being taken away. You saved my soul that I might live with you forever and that one day you'd take my old decrepit body and you'd glorify it like into your body that we might stroll the street of glory forever and ever. What a promise, Lord. And just as you fulfill those promises, God, you're going to fulfill your promise that you're going to take us away, that we might be with you where you are. Lord, I praise you and I honor you tonight. Help us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.